Welcome to Macquarie Street, the national political podcast coming to you from the crucible of Australian democracy. Here's your host, Lyle Shelton. Hello and welcome. It's great to have your company for this, the 50th episode of my political podcast now called Macquarie Street, named after the birthplace of Australian democracy. Thanks so much for your incredible feedback on last week's episode um, with uh, regard to the interview that I did with Jared Henderson on the framing of Cardinal George Pell. There's a war being waged against serious Christians who speak in public and who act in public for the truth about marriage, gender and family. They become targets. The latest is, of course, the City Point Christian College in Brisbane, which is in the eye of a media storm because of its Christian enrolment policy. I'll provide some commentary on this shortly. Uh, also coming up in today's show, I want to get behind what is motivating the attacks on, Christian re- on the Christian religion and the attempts to overthrow its profound influence on Western culture. We're living in an age where we are junking our heritage at a great rate of knots. This is, of course, not without serious consequences. There's no one better to talk about this than Kevin Donnelly, who has just released a new book entitled Christianity is Good for Us. That's a provocative title in this day and age, and you won't want to miss our discussion coming up a little later in this show. Also coming up, I head across the ditch to New Zealand to find out what's going on in politics there. The war against the Christian view on gender, marriage and family is just as intense, if not greater, than it is here. I speak with my good friend, Bob McCroskery of the Family First Advocacy Group. But first, what's behind the rainbow attacks on Christian schools? The latest flashpoint is City Point Christian College in Brisbane, which is embroiled in a controversy because of its Christian enrolment policy uh, relating to gender and sexuality. Here's what the Queensland Labor government's education minister, Grace Grace, who reveals that she has a non-binary child, said this week about Christian ethics and gender and sexuality. It's it's actually quite distressing to hear that someone like that would be um, treated the way that school has said it. I'm sorry. Um, and what I have done, I've spoken to the chair of our non-state school accreditation board. This matter has been referred to them, but I also understand that there have been complaints that have come in to the department from parents and students in relation to this. And I heard the Attorney General, it's been referred, and I've spoken to Shannon Fentiman about this as well, the Minister, that the Human Rights Commissioner has warned the school that you cannot contract out of your legally binding anti-discrimination laws in this state. Look, in this day and age, to um, see this happening is actually quite unbelievable. And um, I don't know what the motivation was to send something like that out on a Friday, um, just before their students were due to start online learning on the Monday. The Premier is one of the most um, powerful leaders in this for an inclusive, supportive, welcoming school environment. That is what we should be doing. And no student should be denied a world-class education because they're a member of the LGBTIQ plus community, particularly my child. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Now, to understand what is really going on, we have to go back to 2017. During the same-sex marriage campaign, gay activists like Tony Abbott's sister Christine Foster rejected concerns Christian schools would lose freedoms if marriage was degendered. As a spokesperson for Australian marriage equality, Foster said in a debate with me on Sky News that Christian schools would not lose their freedom to uphold their beliefs about sexuality and gender if the marriage law was changed. Unfortunately, the video has been taken down, but this is what Foster said. 
Religious institutions and schools are free and are protected by our existing legislation and constitution to teach their beliefs. That will not change because same-sex couples can get married. Now, statesmen like John Howard knew at the time this was wrong, and his calls for protections for religious freedom before changing the definition of marriage went unheeded by the then Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. Now, for those listening to the audio, what is displayed on the screen is a headline from the left-wing Guardian newspaper from 2017, which says, John Howard says religious freedom should be protected before marriage equality survey. Well, fast forward four years and City Point Christian College is in the eye of a media storm about its, in Christian, about its Christian enrollment strategy policy. The school principal, Pastor Brian Mulheron, is being chased by an angry lynch mob armed with a change.org petition. A small group of emotional children, activists, parents, and even one of the school's now former teachers have been given a mainstream media megaphone to blast the Christian college for its heartless and bigoted enrollment policy. There is no room for nuance in this debate, let alone for standing up for the freedoms Christine Foster said with a straight face would not be affected. The narrative is simple. Bible-believing Christians are mean people who beat up upon trans and gay kids. This, of course, is untrue. But what is true is that those of us who hold a different view that is religiously motivated and backed up by science are persecuted. For faithful Christians, nothing before or since same-sex marriage has changed. Jesus of Nazareth, Moses who led the Jews out of Egypt, and Paul of Tarsus all taught a sexual ethic that was uncontroversial until the last five minutes of Western history. What has changed is the tolerance for Christian sexual ethics to be publicly taught to children in Christian schools and churches. It's not just Christians who believe that boys are boys and girls are girls and who would prefer their children were not inducted into accepting homosexual concepts at school. Millions of mainstream Australians feel the same, but a creeping totalitarianism backed by flawed anti-discrimination laws and a change to the Marriage Act is having a chilling and silencing effect. We've already heard from, angry, from the angry Queensland Education Minister, Grace Grace, encouraging people to take City Point Christian College to the Human Rights Commission. Labor clearly doesn't see a place for Christian, Muslim or Jewish schools which teach the scientific view of biology and the Abrahamic faith's ethic of marriage and family. The emotivism with no thought given to kids who might regret uh, later having their breasts and genitals cut off so that they can live out their non-binary or transgender viewpoint uh, is just seen as transphobia. Here's what former City Point parent and English teacher Helen Clapham Byrne told Channel 10's The Project. So it was the vocabulary around the children presenting with gender issues. As an educator, my priority is to make sure that each child that I interact with feels safe. But when a child tells us with tears in their eyes that they don't feel safe, what are we doing? What are we doing? And in fact, in that documentation, it says that both at the beginning of enrollment and during enrollment, if they don't adhere to this, we terminate the enrollment. I can't, I can't work for an organisation that does that to kids. 
No one on Channel 10's The Project panel asked her about the long-term side effects of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones or surgery. But if we stop and think, something we're not very good at these days, who is being more compassionate to children? The people who seek to help kids be comfortable with their bodies or the ones who lead them to the door of the gender clinic for experimental treatment? Pastor Mulherrin should be free to stop a boy wearing a dress to the school formal. It's a bad influence on the younger kids. If a kid and their parents want to promote transgenderism and homosexuality, they should form their own school for this purpose. It's a free country, or at least it used to be. Instead, rainbow activists use a biased media and flawed uh, legal system to ramp up the pressure on a Christian community to bend to their unscientific view of biology and sexual ethics. That is not tolerance and it is not what Foster promised voters as they were about to vote to trash the gender diversity requirement in marriage. The Christian community uh, and our Prime Minister Scott Morrison need to step up their support for City Point against these vicious attacks on freedom of religion. Where is the Liberal National Party? Where are the politicians standing up for freedom of religion and freedom of speech? If City Point Christian College can't enrol students and employ teachers who agree to uphold the Christian view of marriage and gender, that is the end of Christian education in Australia. Maybe that's the aim. Well, hello and Welcome to this special edition of the Macquarie Street Political Podcast. Uh, I'm Lyle Shelton. It's fantastic to have uh, Dr. Kevin Donnelly with me as my guest today. Kevin is one of Australia's leading conservative public intellectuals and culture warriors. Since first warning about the dangers of political correctness way back in 1992, uh, Kevin has engaged in the battle of ideas against the cultural left's long march through the institutions. His latest book, is Christianity is Good For You, Why Faith Matters. Kevin, welcome to the Macquarie Street Political Podcast. Always a pleasure, Lyle. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So grateful for your time today, Kevin. Um, now, Christianity is Good For You, that's a very provocative title for a book these days. Um, there's a lot of hostility towards Christianity, towards Christians who dare to put their heads up in the public square. Why such an in-your-face title for this latest of your books? Well, uh, like you, uh, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and for many years now I've been following debates about uh, what is now called cancel culture or being woke. But when I was at university many years ago, I did postgraduate and uh, in education. I was always a very strong supporter of a liberal view of education, which has very strong Christian underpinnings. Now, whether it's uh, Cardinal Newman, or Aquinas, or whether it's the idea of the original universities in England and, say, Sydney and Melbourne, where there was a strong Christian element underpinning that. What happened was when I did the postgrad work, I also discovered that there was uh, a movement, a very secular, radical movement, to undermine Christianity in education. And that goes back to uh, Antonio Gramsci, the communist uh, who was obviously a Marxist and a communist and was put in jail during the war. Mussolini uh, put him in jail. But when in jail, he wrote the prison notebooks. And what Gramsci argues is that Marxism must become the new religion. And there are many elements in Marxism, cultural Marxism, as it's now called, which are really religious in, in their character. 
And Gramsci argued that you had to destroy Christianity. You had to abolish Christianity from Western civilization if Marxism was to take priority to become prevalent. So when I was doing the postgrad, I became aware of this battle between cultural Marxism, as it's known now, and Christianity. And uh, Pope Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, wrote a lot about this. And so I think it's time to answer your question for good Christians to fight back and to argue the case. Now, Greg Sheridan has done that. Uh, Archbishop Fisher in Sydney is very vocal. Obviously, Cardinal Pell, all of his life, has argued the case for Christian values and beliefs. So I think it's very timely that we have this debate, given what's happening in Australia, in areas like uh, political freedom, uh, the federal legislation, the moves in Victoria, for example, to take religious or Christian education out of the curriculum. So there are lots of issues here, and it's time to stand up and argue the case for what we believe in. Well, Kevin, there's an enormous amount in what you've just said. You've just taken us on a, on a broad sweep of probably about a 1,000 years of our history back to the Christian foundings of our universities. And then fast forward to the 20th century, you mentioned um, uh, Gramsci and the, uh, the, the Frankfurt School and, and how we got to this battle. Um, you, I've heard you say that the, the real fight today is between communism and Christianity. Now, you mentioned cultural Marxism. I, I guess it's more uh, the, the f- philosophical underpinning of communism, which is Marxism, uh, which is now at war insidiously today. But most of our audience and most of our fellow citizens don't realise that this battle is even going on. Um, h- how, do, how do you help awaken people to this battle of ideas with these obscure people like Gramsci, who no one's ever heard of, but how that's impacting on our lives today and causing this great pressure to come upon all of us who are Christians and who are wanting to be Christians in the public square. When I did the postgrad, I mentioned uh, many years ago, uh, it was a a doctorate in education curriculum. And I realised that it took four or five years to do and research and write. It disappeared into the library. And I think there are three or four copies probably been read by five or 10 people over the last 20 years. But I began to understand, and I was fortunate enough to meet Bob Santa Maria, God bless him, before he died. And Bob, or BA as people called him, always said to me, you must fight for what you believe in. You must uh, step forward in the public square. You must organise. You must uh, be an advocate. The left, or the cultural left, uh, is they're very effective in working out medium to long-term strategies. And you mentioned the Long March, which uh, in a way Gramsci talked about, but really it was Rudy Duchke, uh, the German, and I can't pronounce his name, but Rudy, during the Cultural Revolution of the late 60s, used the expression. And the argument there is that from the cultural left, they were never going to win uh, uh, the, the war in the West in terms of communism. The workers would never storm the barricades as they did in Russia. There would never be a revolution as there was with Mao in China. What the the, uh, cultural Marxists understood, and you mentioned the Frankfurt School in Germany during the 1930s, was that 
the left would have to take over the institutions, whether it's church, family, the media, uh, political parties, trade unions. The long march would take many, many years, but the end goal was to abolish Christianity and to impose this radical secular uh, state. And we see that in Victoria with only the last two or three years, what's happened with Daniel Andrews and the draconian laws undermining people's freedoms. So after doing the doctorate, I realised if I was going to be effective, I would have to get into the public square, as you have and others, and as Greg Sheridan is doing, as uh, Archbishop Fisher, as I mentioned, many others. So I write a lot for the Daily Telegraph, the Herald Sun, the Australian. I do a fair bit of Sky News, trying to reach out to people, to use that expression, about what the current debates are and why we need to be aware of this, what John Howard called the battle of ideas. Because, and I've been reading Christopher Dawson, he makes the point that Christianity and freedom, it's like the air we breathe. Once it's gone, it's too late. So we can't take it for granted. And we see that with issues like uh, Israel Folau being uh, ostracised, losing his career because of simply stating a fact from the Bible about his beliefs. We saw it with Archbishop Porteous in, in Tasmania being taken before the commission there. There are many, many more examples we don't hear about of ordinary men and women, Christian men and women, who don't get promoted, who aren't comfortable at work, who lose uh, their position because of their beliefs. So really it is time, I think, as I mentioned before, to gird our loins, as they say, and to fight the good fight. Now, it's really important, and one of the reasons I'm so keen to talk to you is to help people understand that there is a war going on, and it is a war, it's a battle for ideas. Thankfully, it's not a shooting war. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But we now live in a, situa in a society where, as you mentioned, someone like Israel Folau can lose his job for quoting the Bible. The Bible, uh, not so long ago, was revered by all our forebears. Uh, it was um, a foundation stone for living, a guidebook for life. I've heard you say that the King James Bible uh, had a profound effect on the development of Australia. Could you help our audience understand what you mean by that? When you look at the arrival of the First Fleet, and obviously it's very topical given Australia Day, but when you look at the arrival of the First Fleet uh, and uh, David Kemp, the ex-Liberal education minister and politician, he's written a number of books now about liberalism and its impact on Australia. When you look at the First Fleet, two of the books that arrived with the convicts, one was the King James version of the Bible, the other was Blackstone's Laws of England. Now, it's only because of that what we inherited as a nation from the United Kingdom, from Europe, in terms of Christianity, the Bible, and the common law system, which in many ways, as it developed in England, starting with Magna Carta and the Glorious Revolution, that political and legal system that we've inherited is underpinned and informed by Christianity. So when people say to me, we must change the date, I say, no way. One of the reasons we're such a relatively peaceful, stable, prosperous Western liberal democracy is because we inherited the King James Bible 
and Blackstone's laws of England, which underpin our way of life. And geographically, we're part of Asia. I, I mean, we all travel. And many uh, times before COVID, I used to go to what I call Indochina, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos. They're dictatorships. They're totalitarian regimes like China. What we have to understand in Australia is this battle of ideas, it has very serious consequences because if you look around the world, billions of people live in poverty, in uh, starvation, imprisonment, uh, in dictatorial, under dictatorial governments. We have a very precious commodity, our liberties and our freedoms, but that comes from the word of Christ and in particular the New Testament and the belief, whether it's the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament or new uh, expressions like love thy neighbour, we have to understand that that underpinning is under threat and that it is a battle which is unforgiving in a sense that when you look at, for example, what's happening with or what happened with the gender fluidity program, Safe Schools, went into schools around Australia. It's still here in Victoria. When you look at uh, that program to teach primary, kindergarten, young eight, 10-year-old children, that gender, sexuality are fluid, dynamic, be whatever you want to be, as long as you self-identify, totally contradictory to what the Bible tells us, about Adam and Eve and about man and woman, then we have to understand the battle is a very serious one. And as I say, that's why I write for the popular media. And that's why the King James Bible and Blackstone's laws, which when you look at what's happening in university and our national curriculum, there's never any mention of that. It's more about Aboriginal culture, Aboriginal spirituality, which is bizarre as I wrote last week in the Daily Telegraph, 54%, 54% of Aborigines identify as Christian. Less than 2% identify with traditional Aboriginal beliefs and customs. So we are inherently a Christian nation. That's right, Kevin. And the alarming thing, and and this goes, as to your point about the long march and cultural Marxism, the alarming thing is that most likely most people my age and younger, and uh, I'll give away my, I'm I'm early 50s, but most people my age and younger wouldn't have a clue what Blackstone's laws are, probably don't know what the Magna Carta is, and certainly don't know that the King James Bible was fundamental to the development of our laws and underpins the freedoms that we all enjoy now. And, and, And I guess we don't know this, but the cultural left knows this, and that's why they're attacking Christianity so severely. Um, if we could turn to the Morrison's government's um, religious discrimination bill, and, and you've mentioned the situation in Victoria, part of that bill, as anemic as it is, is designed to override provisions in Victorian law, which actually criminalise parents from talking to their children about this issue of gender fluidity that you just raised. Again, this goes to the seriousness of the cultural moment that we find ourselves in, doesn't it? It does. And and, and one of the basic tenets of, of Christianity in the Bible is that parents are their children's primary educators. Parents are responsible 
as moral guardians for their children. And when you look at the international covenants and agreements that Australia has signed up to, that is all accepted and endorsed. Parents are primarily responsible for the moral and ethical development of their children. And that's why when you have compulsory schooling, when you have uh, children being made to go to school, primary up until year 10, say, we have to be very careful about what a secular government in Victoria in particular, which is very radically secular, what that is imposing in terms of its ideology. Now, it's it's quite, uh, well, it's significantly uh, Camille Parlier, the American feminist, who's a radical feminist, calls it child abuse. Mm. And she's totally against transgenderism. Uh, many radical feminists like Jermaine Greer are as well. But when you get to this fundamental aspect of human identity and, and a biological fact that we are born as boys or girls, we grow into men or women, when you look at the state starting to teach young kids that that's dynamic, it's fluid, you can be LGBTQI+, there's a plus because they never know how much more it's going to expand. When you have the government doing that and the Victorian government legislating to make it illegal for parents to counsel their children for whether it's Jewish or Christian or Islamic uh, parents to pray for their children, they've made that illegal. And that's, that's the evil nature of what we're now having to fight. It is evil, Kevin, and, and um, as you've pointed out, uh, they are teaching our children a different religion. This is not this is not sort of um, objective secularism. Uh, it's not um, it's not uh, neutral. It's it's a new religion that's replacing it. You've mentioned a couple of times the great um, BA Santa Maria, who who was fighting the cultural battles against communism back from the fifties through to the eighties. I've heard you say, and I've heard others say this, that he always asked the question, uh, what's to be done? And uh, in the launch um, of your book late last year, uh, which is available on YouTube, it was an online launch, uh, Cardinal Pell, who launched your book, a great hero of the faith and of the culture wars, uh, he offered the advice that um, we should uh, find allies and get together and get cracking. Um I think that's great advice, uh, and I'd also add uh, read your book because we've got to understand these issues, and, and you've provided that in simple forms. But what, what else would you add to the what's to be done in this mad moment that we're currently going through? Well, we have to be uh, aware of what the issues are and what, what the battle is. And as you say, uh, one reason I, I've been writing so much over the last 10, 20 years is because I want to get these debates and arguments into the public domain. You won't get them on the ABC or, or in the Age or the Sydney Morning Herald. And that's what part of the problem is, that there is so much censorship now in terms of the debate. But we need to be aware of the issues and B.A. Santa Maria, uh, I think he took the quote from Lenin, what's to be done? because that is, that, that is basic to communism. They're always looking for a strategy to further their cause and to argue uh, their case. So we need to do the same thing. Part of that is to be active in the public square. 
The other is to join groups like you were head of the Australian Christian Lobby for many years, uh, I believe. We have yep. to support politicians of like mind. We have to be active in terms of our local communities, whether it's school, whether it's our friends talking around the dinner table or around a barbecue. We need to be proud of what we are and what we believe in. And I know that's difficult, uh, especially where I live, uh, in, in the affluent it sort of suburbs of Melbourne, where a lot of the baby boomers my age have uh, taken the Kool-Aid, as they say, and are now very cultural left. It's almost become fashionable now to be uh, very cultural left, to accept cultural diversity, to accept relativism, to argue there are no values, there are no beliefs. You can't tell me what to do because it's all subjective. And I mentioned Cardinal Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict. He wrote about this again and again. And this is, again, the evil nature of what we're approaching because, as C.S. Lewis wrote in the Screwtape Letters, once the devil is no longer the evil person with the tail and the pitchfork, once the devil is the person next to you on the train or the person at work who appears moderate and considerate and talks what appears to be common sense, but in fact it's a mask, a guise for what is fundamentally a very dangerous proposition, that there are, are no absolutes, that everything is relative, everything is subjective, because once we lose that moral grounding in Christian faith, then we have nothing to hold on to. And I was just rereading T.S. Eliot. One of the things he said, and very true all those years ago, is that once a culture loses religion, it's in danger of disappearing. And Western culture is based on Christianity. And the danger we're facing, and I'm still optimistic, by the way, the danger we're facing is that we're losing that underpinning. Kevin, that's uh, extremely well said. Uh, sadly, we're going to have to leave it there. We could chat all day on this. There's so much in what you've said. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being so engaged for so many years um, and, in and decades in helping um, raise awareness of these issues. Uh, the book is Christianity is Good for You. Uh, oh, sorry, Christianity is Good, Why Faith Matters. It's available at kevindonnelly.com.au. Uh, is that right, Kevin? Um, yeah, just that? one word, kevindonnelly.com.au. kevindonnelly.com.au. I'd encourage you, the first thing that's to be done is to read Kevin's book and to stay optimistic, uh, to be encouraged. The truth is on our side and uh, we are certainly in the battle for the soul of our civilization. Kevin Donnelly, thank you so much for... Thank you very much, Lyle. My pleasure. Well, it's great to have with me my good friend Bob McCroskey, uh, the National Director and Founder of Family First New Zealand, uh, a really important advocacy group for the family. Bob, thanks so much for joining us on the Macquarie Street Political Podcast today. Okay, good to be with you, Lyle. Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. And, and thanks for taking time. Uh, he's, he's just come off the beach. As you can see, he's looking well tanned and uh, ready for a, a great new year. Bob, you've got some yeah, unshaven, but, uh, you, you've got some pretty big issues uh, confronting your nation and uh, look um, I always 
worried that as goes New Zealand, <laughs> so may well go Australia. You guys seem to be ahead of us in terms of the woke, extreme left, libertarian narrative. But you've got some uh, hate speech laws that are going through your parliament and conversion therapy laws. These are quite serious. Uh, just tell us about what's happening there. Yeah, well, actually, I think we have a competition to beat each other because uh, actually I just did a podcast interview that we're going to release next week with Dr. David Kassain, Professor David Kassain, who's a palliative care specialist because we've just legalised euthanasia. Um, it came into effect last November, just gone. Uh, and so, uh, of course, Australia had sort of set the benchmark a little bit on euthanasia and then, of course, on abortion. Um, we've we've liberalised abortion, but I think we're sort of following Australia. Uh, as Australia and New Zealand go, it's Canada and UK as well, isn't it? I mean, I think yeah. Canada's probably leading. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think the message is we're all a basket case together in the Anglosphere <laughs> by the sounds of it. Yeah, and Canada is leading the charge in terms of what I would call uh, criminalising the pulpit, uh, and that is in hate speech and conversion therapy. And look, people can argue that it's to deal with any other issue, but actually what it is is it's criminalising uh, the Bible, it's criminalising the pulpit, it's coming down on churches, both conversion therapy and hate speech. And of course, it's fully fledged in Canada now. I don't know if you saw in Canada, the conversion therapy law was passed unanimously. The Conservatives were having a little picnic outside, I think. They, they forgot that they were yeah. supposed to represent uh, people with consent who, who want their lives to change, self-determination. It's just yeah. shocking. So we're facing that same uphill battle. So for, for viewers and listeners who may not understand what we're talking about when it comes to these conversion mm. therapy laws, uh, we, in, in the last 12 months, or last or 18 months, I suppose, here in Australia, Queensland passed conversion therapy laws which criminalised doctors and counsellors from talking to mm. children about uh, and adults about uh, their discomfort with their, their gender. In Victoria, mm. they went a step further and actually made it a criminal offence for a parent, for a parent to talk to their child uh, mm. about the struggles they're having with them. Um, this is really sinister stuff, folks. And now it's um, across the ditch um, in New Zealand there. Uh, are there similarities with what I've just described as has happened here in Australia and Canada with what you're facing? Yeah, I mean, it's a similar type of legislation and it will criminalise professionals, it will criminalise teachers, it will criminalise pastors and it will criminalise parents, as you say. Uh, and in effect, it's basically a way of criminalising biblical sexuality. Uh, but I think the, the, the there's two aspects that really trouble me. Firstly, is that parents who don't want their kids to go down the transgender route and who want alternative treatment to hormone blockers and chest binders uh, for a child that has gender identity issues, uh, if you just want them to get counselling, that won't be allowed. You've got to follow the pro-transgender uh, agenda. Uh, and in terms of consent, if you've got someone who has unwanted sexuality issues or gender issues, they can only get counselling, which goes in the direction that the activists want. So it's interesting, when we say that we're banning conversion therapy, uh, actually, uh, conversion therapy will still be allowed, but only if you convert in the direction of the activists towards either yep. homosexuality or towards gender, transgender confusion. If you stay with your biological sex or if you want to go heterosexual, that will be illegal. That shows that this is not about 
coercive, abusive type counselling, which we're all against. Of it's course. not about yeah. shock treatment and ice cold baths and all that yeah. type of stuff. It's actually about um, criminalising yeah. biblical sexuality. They've been really sinister in the way they've gone about this, haven't they? I mean, before uh, the laws sort of you know, hit um, Australia and, and now New Zealand and Canada, um, probably about 12 months before, a, a Hollywood movie came out called Boy Erased starring Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe, two great Australian actors. Uh, maybe mm. Russell Crowe was New Zealand once, I don't know, but it uh, doesn't really matter. He's ours now. Uh, He's <laughs> yeah, and I, I never went and saw the movie, but I, watching the trailer was enough. Now, obviously, that movie was describing some pretty horrendous things, which may or which probably well, I, I don't want to say didn't happen. Um, obviously, did happen in some Southern American churches. I, I've been a Christian all my life. You have. I've never heard of these things ever happening in the mm. church circles I've been involved in ever. Um, and yet, this helped frame a narrative that. Christians are somehow hurtful and harmful to gay kids. And, and this is the narrative that, that now has taken hold in the public discourse. Uh, I know it made it very hard for us to campaign against these laws here. I, I'm assuming it's the same for you there in New Zealand. Well, the interesting thing is that, uh, in fact, we're also doing a, a official inquiry into abuse in state care. And in fact, it was state-run, government-run organisations that were using electroshock treatment uh, on, on, on young people uh, and even on older, you know, on adults. So, look, techniques do change. Uh, we get greater understanding. Yeah, I think there were some practices that both of us would disagree with in the past, but the evidence shows that it's just not happening. There are not the no. examples happening. It is simply people who disagree with, a biblical viewpoint yep. that you're born either male or female and uh, and and in terms of sexuality, biblical sexuality. So um, it's, it's an attempt to criminalise the pulpit. And look, that, that flows into hate speech as well because deep down in hate speech laws is really they want to criminalise anybody who says things that upset people. Uh, and unfortunately, the LGBT lobby are very good at getting upset. Yeah and then claiming that it is hate speech. Yeah. We need to learn to disagree with each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Who knew that the state, and I'm sure it was the same in Australia, but state-run institutions that used electric shock systems, I mean, Hollywood has baked it into our minds that the church was responsible for all these abusive mm. practices. And the irony is today is that it's now the state driving um, more abusive uh, therapies on children, like as you mentioned before, chest binding, and even you know we've had surgery uh, on minors, uh, healthy uh, girls who are minors having their breasts removed here in Australia. Multiple cases of that, and I just think one day we're going to look back in horror at you know okay yeah the electric shock sort of treatments on homosexuals in the forties and fifties or, or whenever the sixties, uh, but then someone's going to look back on you know twenty twenty two and think why were they why were they binding the chests of, of girls and giving them puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and removing genitals? I, I mean, this is the sort of thing that people like you and I and others are trying to warn children about, and yet mm. we're now criminalised for having these sort of conversations. Yeah, and, of course, uh, just uh, at the end of last year, by unanimous vote in Parliament, once again, our Conservative uh, centre-right parties were, I think, down at the pub, uh, the birth certificates law was passed whereby you can change the sex on your birth certificate 
Uh, in fact, you can change it as many times as you want. You can even go back to your biological sex. Um, so that means that, for example, you know, Lyle Shelton could actually have been a born a girl. I mean, I always suspected that, but now you can actually. I make knew you were going official. to put that in. Thank you. <laughs> I love having you on my podcast, but uh, carry on. <laughs> uh, so, so, and and for sixteen and seventeen year olds, they don't need parental permission to be able to do that. So, what you're doing is you're actually, um, I mean, a birth certificate is a historical document of what happened. You, you're basically saying that the midwife or the doctor present at the birth got it wrong and we should just go on feeling. Uh, and of course, now we're seeing some very, you know, I don't want to sideswipe into the whole vaccine type thing, but people who are starting to identify as vaccinated um, so that they can get the <laughs> vaccine passes to go to restaurants. I mean, where, where do we stop this ability that, that it's based on feelings? I love the quote of Ben Shapiro who says, facts don't care about yeah. your feelings. Uh, and, and we need to understand that, but we do need to learn to disagree. And hate speech laws, conversion therapy laws are all about stopping disagreement and shutting down viewpoints that Absolutely. we disagree with. And generally, those are Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, they, they won't even talk about it. Bob, there's so many other issues we could discuss today. But um, as we look at 2022, what has uh, Family First got in store in terms of you know fighting these issues over the next 12 months? Well, obviously, we've got we're going to have to keep monitoring the abortion liberalisation law and also the euthanasia and push for um, better safeguards on both of those for the sake of vulnerable patients for euthanasia and for vulnerable women for abortion and, and try and we can't make abortion illegal, but I think we need to make abortion unthinkable. Um, and obviously, we're watching what's happening over in the States. We've got the um, uh, conversion therapy law and the hate speech law, which will be hot topics this year. We've also got to push for surrogacy to make that more available and increase the availability of, of sperm donors. Uh, and there's a whole issue on that. Uh, people can go to our website and see some of these issues under familyfirst.nz. Uh, and we're still waiting for the Supreme Court to come back on our decision of whether the government can deregister us because... Um, well, they argue that we're too politically involved, but there's plenty of other charities that are politically involved and they probably are in Australia. They just didn't agree with our views. And so they're trying to deregister us. Uh, this is our fourth court case. Supreme Court can't go any higher. So this is it. Um, and this is going to be a big test case. Um, it's actually six months now. So the five judges are obviously really struggling on this. You know, when the jury's out for a long time, you know that they realise that this is a big case about freedom of thought, freedom of uh, association, freedom of expression. So, and, and in fact, we actually had a combined New Zealand-Australian group um, as a uh, kind of witness, or I uh, can't remember what they call the official title, but they gave evidence supporting um, the ability for charities to speak into the political realm, which we need to. I mean, the church yeah. needs to speak into it as well. And this is the problem, Bob, um, because the church isn't speaking. Uh, it's about to have its ability to preach and speak about um, mm -hmm. the, the Christian view of human flourishing when it comes to sexuality, as you've just said. They're trying to cancel you and your organisation mm -hmm. because they don't like what you said. Uh, anyone who doesn't think the culture war and the cultural battles mm -hmm. and the war against Christianity is real uh, just needs to look at what's happening uh, everywhere in the Anglosphere. But you're, you're the tip of the spear in New Zealand, mm. Bob, and uh, you really are the last line of defence. So, um, look, really appreciate mm. your time today. Um, I'll let you have one last word before I send you back to the beach. Well, I just think you should give up watching cricket because it's like watching grass grow. That's all <laughs> I'd like to say, Lyle. 
Good or low. Well, I did watch. Uh, I did watch the World T uh, Twenty Cup, uh, Bob, and enjoyed that very much. So, mm. with with that, uh, I'll let you go back to the beach. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bob. Really appreciate all you're doing. God bless you. <laughs> good catching up, Lyle. Keep up the good work. Well, that's it uh, for this week's Macquarie Street. Thanks so much for being with me for this 50th episode. Next week, I'll bring you my interview with Spectator Australia columnist, James McPherson, as we chat about his hilarious new book, Notes from Woketopia. You won't want to miss that. Until then, thanks so much for your company. God bless. God bless.